0: um we, uh, it's it's great that you're here we want to say welcome and uh yeah tonight we are relaxed mason leads he's just himself isn't he and you don't know what will happen and <laughs> and that's what church is about sunday nights we're here and we just come together to be ourselves and really our prayer and our desire is that we would all just go away more and more nuts about jesus that we'd just be uh, crazy about him and be wanting to make him lord in every area of our lives and uh, we we do believe that God is mighty to save and that as you put your trust in him he will change your life he'll transform you from the inside out you'll start to uh, think differently act differently and your life will be different as you put your trust in him it doesn't always go smoothly we know that but we know his presence right through everything so if you're here tonight uh, welcome, wherever you are in the stage of getting to know Jesus more. If you've committed your life to Him, if you're still checking Him out, we just uh, want to lift Him up tonight. And we do that. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from Phil preach tonight. We're continuing through Ephesians, the book of the Ephesians, and we've been enjoying just reading that letter together and having messages from there. So, looking forward to hearing Phil preach. Just wanted to share with you just a little bit of what's happening in the morning services. We just want to update you a little bit each week, if we can, so that. What's happening in the morning is you're catching just a bit of it, even just a snip of it at, at night. So just briefly, we started a seven-week series this morning on the values of our church. We've been through quite a process with the staff, with the deacons, with the church leaders together over many meetings to, to, to find out what are our church values, what are the things we really hold dearly that, that we, we think should be so clear And so clearly understood by everybody at our church that will unify us and give a foundation for us to to move ahead together. And this morning we talked about the first two. All of the values are listed in the news sheet this week, and there's 10 of them. And this morning we started with two. The first one is that our church uh, is a Christ centered church. Uh, We quickly talked about the fact that, uh, you know, the only way that you can uh, be part of. Christ's church is to be a follower of Christ and to put your trust in him completely. Jesus said uh, to Simon Peter when he asked him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, hey, you're, you're right. You're blessed, Simon Peter. And on that confession of faith, I'm going to build my church. And since then, everybody who puts their trust in him are part of his church. So we, we, we urge uh, people, we challenged you on how to be To make sure that you have Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And then we talked about how our church is structured in such a way that Christ is Lord. You know, um, I'm the senior pastor of the church, but I've got to tell you, I don't make the decisions around here. We really believe that the way the church uh, should, should operate is that those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, have a personal relationship with him, can seek his mind, and can, can really prayerfully say, God, what are you saying to us as a church? And when we gather together at the church meeting, like we gathered together on Wednesday night, when we seek the mind of Christ for major decisions in our church, we really prayerfully say, where are we going, Lord? And as we hear what he's saying, as we talk together and vote and make decisions, Christ leads us. We want that to happen not only in the church meeting, But in teams that you're in, if you're in a small group, we don't want you to rule with an iron fist if you're leading it. We really believe that if people are followers of Christ, we can discern as we read and pray and find, you know, God, what are you saying to us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? We want that in your daily life as a personal follower, but also in your groups and in your ministries, that we'll be led by Christ in everything that we do. We talk about how church is structured and went through all those things. And the challenge was, hey... Christ the centre of your life or make him such the second thing was that we're biblically based church Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verses uh, 15 and 16 says all scripture is God breathed everything in scripture is God breathed it comes from God and it's inspired by God and it's useful for correcting teaching rebuking and training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for good works. Uh, the Bible is God's word to us. And that's the primary way that we come to know Christ and to know God and what he wants us to do in our lives. So we say we're a biblically based church. Everything we do has to line up with the scriptures. You know, if you find that sometime uh, someone doing something that doesn't line up with the scriptures, you know, I'm the first one who wants to know about that. I'd love to sit down and talk about it and work it through because we want to be led in a way that is right with this scripture. You know, it's not the only way God speaks to us. Sometimes he will speak to us as we're reading God's word and and prompt us or sometimes he will speak to us in different ways through people and through different ways, but he will never speak to us in a way that contradicts his word. So I just cannot fathom it when people say, I believe in Jesus, just don't have much time to read his word. Or I'm too busy to have God speak to me. I'll just put it down here and try and, you know, I think many people have this kind of idea of Christ but they don't know Jesus as he's revealed in his word. The only way you can get to know him is by understanding who he is and what he's asked us to do and by living it and obeying his word in our life. So we're Christ-centred and biblically based. That's a core of our church. Christ is the head of the church and to know him and to live according to him we want you to be reading your bibles every day we want you to be memorizing scripture and thinking on it and applying it to your life and living it every day they're the first two values each week we're going to give you just a little snippet so you're not separate to what's happening with the whole church and so that together we're going to be catching these values together i want to let you know one more thing Uh, We had a great global leadership summit on the weekend. The weekend before, some people from our church also went down to Melbourne. Um, A number of us went to Geelong. And i just say that it was just an incredible two days that we had. Uh, And and I think it's just impacted the people that went, and it's been wonderful. So much so that Wednesday night is our regular leadership night. And we just thought uh, Bill Hybel shared to a leadership summit of uh, 80,000 leaders um, and that was sort of beamed across America and all around and he gave this message and it was right on our core value number one that uh, the church must be a Christ-centered church. So we're going to show that this Wednesday night, 7.30 and we're asking, hey, if you're a leader, we'd love you to come. If you're not a leader, but you'd just love to watch the vid- DVD, this, this month you can come and just just be part of that. 7.30 here at the church and I reckon we're not going to string out the night. You'll be home by nine o'clock, okay? I promise you. So that's a good thing to do. Hey, it's great that we're together and uh, let's pray. I I just feel that sometimes um, we've got to keep praying for our city. And um, this week, you know, I don't know about you, but if you read the papers or watch the news, it's getting a politically hot environment in our city, isn't it? Um, There's only a month away till a state election. And uh, I I just find there's lots of people who are our leaders that are in the paper, you know, and things are being said about each other. And why don't we pray for our leaders? We're called in Scripture to pray for our leaders. And uh, why don't we just pray for our city tonight too? Let's pray. God, we thank you for our church. Uh, We want to be a church that is just Christ-centred in everything that we do. And we want to be biblically based. God, uh, we thank you for your word. We just want to live it and, and, and obey it in everything that we do. God, we want to pray for our city today. We love Wodonga and we love the districts around. And God, we just so much want to see this city uh, doing really well. And God, we just pray for our leaders. We pray you give them wisdom at this time. God, we pray for people that are seeking election, those that are already uh, often facing criticism. And we just pray, God, that in this, those people that are leading would keep their eyes focused on the roles that they're doing and that they'd be good leaders and that they'd be wise and that they'd always do what's best for this city. Oh, God, we we pray that this city would be a city that just catches uh, a real heart for what you want. God, we pray that they would realise that life without you is not worth living. And we pray that so many people in this city, God, would come to know you. Lord, tonight... We realise the land is dry um, and parched. Uh, Farmers are longing for rain. And God, we just pray and we cry out as your people, God, would you bring the rain? God, we pray that as we look to you and as we depend on you, that you would open the heavens. And we cry out for rain for farmers and for those that are struggling and for this whole region. So God, open heaven, we pray. And God, now as we continue to worship you, we just thank you that you hear our prayers. And you are truly majestic, God. We love you. Amen.
1: Tonight's reading comes from Ephesians 5, verse 2 to 20. Sorry, verse 3. But among you there must not, even, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. For you were, once, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit." Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, we continue on uh, in our series on Ephesians And um, if you've got your Bibles there yet, it's um, chapter 5, verses 3 to 20. Um, Well, something amazing happens when a person surrenders to the love of God. Um, Something amazing happens when a person says yes to living for Jesus and no to living uh, for themselves. They move from being enemies of God without hope of eternal life, to being children of God the Father with the hope of life forever, forever with this loving God. It's like in the beat of a heart, a person enters or can enter into relationship with God. Amazing. And one image that's used to explain this change is that of moving from darkness to the light. God is described as light. You know Those who come to him and say yes to him enter into this marvellous light. Those people who haven't said yes to Jesus yet, they remain in the dark. But something else happens when you come into the light of God, when you come into the light of his presence, when you surrender your life to Jesus, we become children of light. It's like we become part of this light. It's like this light actually starts to shine um, from us. Because we belong to God, we belong to this light, we start to shine. This means that uh, wherever we live, uh, whatever we do, we are children of light if you have put your trust in Jesus. And as children of light, it's our task to shine. It's our uh, task to burn brightly. It's our task to shed light wherever we live, wherever we are. This is a great passage. I wonder if you tonight are a, a child of the light. The question is, are you shining brightly? Are you shining brightly or has the light that you emit gone a little bit dull? a couple of questions for us to think on tonight. There's some things that dull your light and there are some things that, other things that are like uh, things that crank your light up to maximum brightness. And uh, tonight we're going to have a look at a couple of these factors. But maybe before we start unpacking the passage, let's let's pray. Father God, we come before you now and, and we're here Um, because we are seriously interested in you. Or perhaps we're here because we're just starting to look into these claims about Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that um, you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. Lord, please speak to us tonight from your word. Please change us. And by your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's um, have a look at a dulling factor first. Let's have a look at something that kind of takes... Shine away! It's only one factor, um, and there's a whole lot of others, but this one's a pretty common one. So let's look at verse from verse, uh, our passage from verse three. It says, "But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking." which are out of place, um, but rather thanksgiving. Now we can summarise this dulling factor that they've pulled out, that Paul's written down tonight, as sexual immorality. Paul loves kind of getting into the big issues. And he says there mustn't even be a hint of it amongst God's holy people. And if you look at verse 3 there, it says uh, sexual immorality and any kind of of impurity and this kind of covers every kind of sexual perversion of real holy love and when we read in the same verse about greed this here is the sense of someone coveting or desiring another person sexually so it's this kind of thought process so we have the act in the sexual immorality, impurity. And now we've got the thought in the greed. And then if you look at verse 4, it says, nor should there be any, uh, there, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. They're the words. So it's like for children of light, sexual immorality in any respect, in thought, in word, or in deed, they're all out. They're all out for children of light. And all they represent is ways of dulling, ways of dulling your shine. Now, in the the culture of the day uh, that this was written, the um, culture was rife with sexual immorality. It was there was lots going on. So there was a Greek goddess named Artemis, and uh, she was regarded as the fertility goddess, and sexual orgies were regularly associated with her worship worship God worship your um, goddess Artemis through that way so the Christians you can imagine Paul saying -uh, that's just out this is not for you now today I reckon our culture our culture is no different and uh, we've got lots of things going in our culture that are very similar so I reckon we live in a, a culture that's saturated it's saturated with sexual immorality our society is, is preoccupied with sex and sexually explicit material is becoming more and more overt and it's becoming more and more accessible. I was listening to Alan Meyer speak a while ago and he's the, the guy who's behind Valiant Man and Search for Intimacy courses that we run here. And uh, he was saying, get this, that a target catalogue, you know, the kind of the girly underwear section... That is more explicit, sexually explicit, than a 1970s um, version or a 1970s Playboy magazine. In 1970s, you wouldn't find anything like this, but we pick up a Target catalogue in our junk mail and it's sexually explicit. We get sex thrown in our faces uh, in music, in music clips, in, in movies, in television in magazines, in newspapers, on the internet, on roadside billboards. I reckon it would be an unusual day um, if we weren't exposed to some kind of sexually explicit material. And in our hyper society the message is loud and clear. It's loud and clear. Sex is great and if you're not hurting anyone it's fine. But that's not right. The vast majority of information we are fed regarding sex is encouraging us towards sexual immorality. The pattern for moral right and great sex is found in God's word. Sex in the context of a loving, faithful marriage. It's the only form of moral sex. Unfortunately, if we don't filter what we view regarding all this sexual material, we may be more influenced by media. When our, and I just, I just want to encourage us, when your eyes, when they first see this kind of crap, don't look back again. Turn it off, turn the page, look away, shut your eyes, do whatever you can to prevent the rubbish from scratching an image on your brain. Now, this is a huge topic, and we can't cover the breadth of it. You know, automatically, we might be thinking um, about oh, what about kind of boyfriend girlfriend relationships? Are they right even to have that? Is it all right to like, go out with someone if you don't intend to marry them? You know, is it all right to kiss my girlfriend or boyfriend if I have one? There's a whole lot of questions that start coming out if you really start thinking about the topic. And I just want to encourage you that tonight, when the response cards come around, if you're not sure, if you want a biblical perspective on it, write down, I want to do Valiant Man if you're a guy. I want to do um, search for intimacy from a, from a girl. You know, or talk to a trusted Christian friend, talk to a Christian leader um, if you're not sure. Or we'll just leave it at that point. Paul um, then says in verse 5, he says. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a a man or woman is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Let no one deceive you. Now the pressure Um, maybe being put on us by others, that the kind of sexuality that our society dishes up is, is all right. It may even be, would you believe, from other Christians around you who are trying to deceive you with these kinds of words. But these are empty words. And the truth is that God's wrath, his anger, is being poured out on this kind of disobedience. God is angry at sexual immorality. And those people who advocate it, and undertake it because it's a distortion. Because it's a, a perversion of beautiful, holy, godly love. That's why he doesn't like it. But the sense of these couple of verses, it's don't be deceived. It's not like a salvation issue, if you like. It's kind of like don't be deceived. You know, if God, uh, for the, this is a believer, you know, if God is angry at sexual immorality for the unbeliever, you know, and his wrath is coming on these kinds of actions and, and uh, all this kind of stuff, you'd be a fool to think he's not angry and upset and kind of just disappointed with a believer when they do it. So it's kind of like, don't deceive yourself. Just because you're a believer, this is not appropriate. So he says, don't be partners with them. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So the challenge is, let's not let sexual immorality in thought word or deed dull our light well if a sexual immorality can dull it uh, there are some great thoughts that Paul goes on to now about how to crank up the light so that we can shine bright how do we live as children of light well it's got a lot to do with understanding God's will and in the rest of this passage you, you seem to hear the sense of like oh get wisdom you know Try to understand God's will, there's a big kind of theme that comes out. So from verse 8, it says, Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all good, goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it's, it is the light that makes everything visible. Now, God's will for us is that we wouldn't be made dull by the darkness, but rather that we would expose deeds of darkness, that actually we would function as a light. Like it's, it's, kind of, it's very obvious, but the point's great. You know, we shouldn't be darkened by darkness. Our effect, if we function as a light, should be to bring light in dark places. It should be to bring illumination where there is darkness. It's great. Be a light. Bring illumination. Don't be darkened. Now, a good question is, um, all right, how do we expose deeds of darkness? How do we bring visibility in places of darkness? And when I say what I'm about to say, this comes in, we're exposing with love and compassion for people, not with a legalistic sense of law and you're wrong and I'm right. I think a great way, um, and you could probably think of more, but let's keep on this sexual immorality line of thought. A great way of um, exposing it is to not engage in it. You'll shed light if you are not doing sexually immoral things in thought, word or deed. And you're going to stand out. And let me just say that I reckon that, and this is pretty, if, if you're in a relationship with people, uh, especially, you know, your work in a secular kind of workplace or whatever, it will be abundantly clear uh, that people love to talk about sex. It doesn't matter where you are, I don't think. People love talking about sex. They love talking about what they get up to. They love talking about what they want to get up to. It's, it's out there. Now, this kind of topic, I think you know, hopefully, I mean, hopefully you don't, but I think you probably do, that it comes up on a regular basis, and we can either kind of go along with it, or we can refuse to engage in it. So what will you do, you know? What do we choose to do tonight? Will you uh, kind of determine not to do that? Because not engaging in it, you will stand out. You will definitely stand out. But I want to encourage us to take it one more step. I think we should be proactive about communicating morality. You know, we shouldn't just be silent and hope people see the difference, but we should, if the opportunity arises, be proactive. You know, I mean, it's difficult enough kind of not engaging with it. It's even more difficult to speak up against it. But here's the the challenge I give you, that I give myself. I can remember um, being at a, a pub in Richmond in Melbourne and um, this is a pub my good friend Damien regularly went to because it was his cricket club's local watering hole. And uh, the times, if I wanted to catch up with Damien, I'd go to the pub and, um, and spend time with him. And over the times I uh, went to this pub, I just met uh, some of his mates and uh, I got to, got to know quite a few of them. It was quite good. And um, I got, this, got to know this guy called, and we'll just call him, his nickname was Des. Everyone was called Des, and he coined the phrase. Um, and my friend Damien, he just likes to paint me out as this full religious extremist. And um, he likes putting me into places to see what I do with it. So I'm talking to Des, and he goes, he goes, hey Des, you know, Phil's getting married in a couple of weeks and he's never had sex before in his life. And he just <laughs> said it outright. And I'm going, you know, but Des should have seen him. He was like... He was like completely like, <laughs> he was in complete disbelief. You should have seen him. His life was about, you naturally go out in the weekends and you pick up and you have sex and you talk about it and it's like great having sex with lots of girls and that was just the natural thing. And then I don't, I've never even done it. And he's going, no, 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 no. What's wrong with you? He's just, he was even pacing, going like, no, what's wrong? What? I don't, no, you, no, you're 20, 26, no, no. He was just like, couldn't compute. And then he went off, kind of socialising with other people. That was the first exposure. That was like, my mate dobbed me in, here I am, yep, virgin 26, sorry about that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> um, hey, not that I, no, anyway, I won't go there. Um, for the rest of the night, he would... Um, every now and then come back and he'd look at me just going like, nah, something wrong with you, what's going on? Like and he was just kind of like, no, nah, you're joking me, you're seriously joking me because his worldview was like, it's just the thing you do. And then later on we had a bit of a chat and in the middle of the conversation I took it to the next level. I said, I reckon, Des, that the sex you have with all the different women you have, I don't think that that brings you fulfilment. And uh, he's kind of looking at me going, like, you betcha it does. (laughs) And I said, no, I don't reckon it does. I think that, um, you know, I don't think it does. I said, um, if you're, imagine making love with a person that uh, you're in a faithful, committed relationship in marriage and you just trust each other and you just love the other person and there's this mutual love and there's this mutual respect, I think that would take sex to just a whole new level. And I could see him, I could see the the coin, the penny just dropping in his brain as he kind of recognised that that was true. As children of light, we need to expose deeds of darkness. We need to function as light. There's something else that happens when you expose deeds of darkness. Not only the people in the dark have visibility of their kind of deeds and maybe get convicted or maybe they don't, maybe they don't care. But this visibility can result in salvation for the person that you're exposing. So from verse 13, it says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it said, wake up. O sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It seems that by making things visible, People can have the opportunity to wake up from like a godless slumber. They can arise from a place of spiritual death and Christ's light can shine on them. Kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? If you bring light to a place of darkness, there is no longer darkness. If you bring light to a place of darkness, there's no longer darkness. So in this way, when we actually act as a light, function as we should as children of light, instead of being made dull, um, we actually illuminate and expose the darkness so that people can come to faith, they can see the truth. It's pretty amazing. The passage goes on and gives us more insight about the nature of this darkness. In the first part of our passage, you know, we're looking at just this sexual, sexual immorality, deeds of darkness, and it's kind of like Paul saying, or you could not misinterpret it about this darkness, that the kind of, the immorality, it's kind of your problem, so you've got to work it out, have the right thoughts, have the right actions, you know, and maybe those, there's people out there who are the dark people as well and they're going to, they could pollute you as well, so watch out for that, so stop doing it. But the problem is a bit bigger. There's, there's something more sinister I want us to understand about the darkness. We're strongly warned, we're strongly warned, and it gives us a hint to this sinister nature of darkness. So, from verse fifteen, he says, "Hey, be very careful. Be very careful in how you live, not as wise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Be careful, because the days are evil." We get an insight here. Back in chapter four, verse twenty-seven, a Mason spoke and we heard about anger that if you have unresolved anger it's not righteous anger but an unresolved anger the devil can gain a foothold so there's this devil figure and in chapter six we're going to hear a bit later on and Gail's going to speak to us about that we hear that about something else about the sinister nature of this darkness it says it's not just about flesh and blood that we're kind of against but it's actually spiritual forces of of heaven and in the earthly realms. So I want to encourage us not to think that it's just my sexual immorality I've got to deal with, or it's those people out there, but this darkness is alive. This darkness is not dead. This darkness is just not people. It's just not ourselves. We're doing battle, not with just our own issues, but the darkness has an active nature, And this darkness, this evil is seeking to snuff you out, to snuff your light out, to make your light dull, dull to the point of just like quenching it. Now we're in a battle and we need to realise that the devil is seeking to snuff us out. He'll go at our weakest point too. If your weakest point is sexual immorality, he'll go you there. If it's kind of alcohol and it's drunkenness he'll go at your weakest point if it's you fear or whatever he'll go at you there he will go at you where you're weak so every day we've got to be very careful we've got to be on guard so that we can see now we're going to strike winds for the kingdom but then we're going to be on guard because there's this darkness is kind of trying to envelope us so children of light, we need to expose that which is in the dark. We need to bring light and make things visible. Now, a final tip that we're left with in this passage on how to live as children of light is massive and it kind of permeates the rest. And that's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Please look um, with me at verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See that wisdom coming in again. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be foolish, it says at the start. We should be wise. And then the passage goes on. It says instead of getting drunk, um, which leads to debauchery, and debauchery is this, uh, sensual pleasure, and once again, we can call it sexual immorality. Instead of that, we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we truly want to uh, live as a child of light, you know, if we want to shine, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we want to burn brightly for our King so that we function as light and expose deeds of darkness and enable people to find the way home. We need to be filled with a spirit. Mm. <laughs> the picture is uh, crystal clear that we have before us, this parallel between alcohol or drunkenness and the spirit. You know, the more alcohol you consume, the more you lose control. And people say that alcohol is a depressant. So it depresses first your and foremost your brain, and so you lose control. Uh, control of your senses and then there's fuzziness and there's blurriness that comes upon you the more you consume. If you're drunk you'll be out of control and you'll be led toward and made very vulnerable to being tempted by sex and its various derivations. Your light will be dulled. Now, the Holy Spirit is the exact opposite. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Please uh, come back and think about the Spirit of God versus the spiritual nature of how the devil likes to sidetrack us. The Holy Spirit is the exact opposite. The Holy Spirit... Increases control. The Holy Spirit is more like a stimulant, a stimulant that heightens a person's senses. It gives them greater clarity, greater clarity to know what's happening around you. See, we're in a battlefield and we don't want losing control, dulled senses. We want, to be, we want crystal clear clarity. We want to be able to see what the enemy is doing. We want to see what God is doing. We want to be children of light and we need to be stimulated to have heightened senses. If you want clarity, if you want power, if you want to be able to live as a child of God, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Might I say that the Holy Spirit is the only way to live rightly? Without the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing that pleases God. Well, hopefully you're saying you want this and um, here's one way or he's the way you need to do, what you need to do if you're here tonight and you kind of you don't know jesus i just want to encourage you to surrender your life to jesus to actually uh to actually admit that you can't do it on your own admit that you fail and that you need his forgiveness and help you need to do that it's like it's all about this communion and remembrance meal of christ we heard it you've got to give your life to jesus You've got to believe in Jesus that when he died on the cross, that that was this act of love and grace that says, you can have new life. You can be my child. You can have eternal life. That's a glorious offer. He forgives our sins. That's what you need to do. Trust him. And then it says the promise when you do that, the promise when you say yes to Jesus is that he gives you his spirit. He just says that's the promise. Say yes to me. I'm going to give you my spirit. It's amazing. And then you have the Spirit. You have the Spirit. Now, some of us here, um, I think, aren't too sure about that sometimes. Even if you're a believer, you're trusting in Jesus. I think sometimes we go, Oh, I'm not, am I? Do I have that? And um, I just want to do something with you right now. And if you have put your trust in Jesus, but you're not kind of sure, I just. It's a bit kind of quirky, but I just want to encourage us and ask you to do something with me now. And that's to put your hands over your kind of heart region, I suppose. If you want to do that, if you trust in Jesus, I just want to encourage you to do that now. Don't be scared. It's kind of interactive. It's a bit weird. I know that kind of thing. If you put your trust in Jesus, I just want to um, encourage you to say some words. I just want you to say, thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit lives in me. Let's say that, it, thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit lives in me. You can say it in your mind if you think it's too cheesy. <laughs> just, just, I want you to kind of like pray it in mind then. Thank you, Father, your Holy Spirit lives in me. That's the reality. If you're a believer in Jesus, that's the reality. The Holy Spirit is in your life now as children of light kind of what you need to do is just lean just lean more on God's Holy Spirit just uh, depend more on it kind of like just try and grab hold of it metaphorically and just help me help me Holy Spirit to shine for you help me to live for you me um, have the power to live for you it's the only way to shine in the dark is to, bend, to depend on the spirit it's like the only way to uh if you go scuba diving to breathe underwater is to suck the air in out of the tank maybe the metaphor for us sometimes is like we're trying to live but we're trying to breathe underwater when there's an air tank on our back and we just need to grab hold of it and say oh here's the air Be filled with the Spirit. That's what we need to kind of strive for, to lean more, to depend more on God's Spirit. Now, as children of light, we are meant to shine brightly, expose deeds of darkness and make the truth uh, known so that people can come to faith. Please look with me, though, at the last two verses from verse 19. It says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I, when I read that, I think about 1950s movies where the actor, in the middle of kind of talking, starts singing, you know? <laughs> you know those movies? It's kind of like you just can't talk for five minutes without... I'm just going to break out into a song right now because I can talk about the newspaper better in, with melodies or whatever. Is that... I think they're funny. I love them. They're great. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Is this what he's saying? More kind of singing to each other. I don't think so. Um, There are two great things that should be part of our life and they're very much linked to each other. And the first is to encourage each other to live the life. And the second is relating to God and that's just that. We should be praising and thanking him for, for everything. There is this great sense of praise and thanksgiving to God. It seems that we should make this our habit. Even encouraging others to live the life, there's this overarching sense of just kind of, it's praise. The purpose is to point the believers to like worshipping our marvellous God. This is the alternative for the believer. Instead of kind of, you know, talking this obscenity and foolish talk, there's this sense of like, speak praise, speak thanksgiving. Kind of instead of like the, the whatever, to speak worship to our God. Speak worship to our our fellow believers so that they can worship God. There's this beautiful kind of poetic sense of song and worship to our God, even in the way we encourage each other. Imagine doing that. Imagine choosing to leave that behind and just kind of like encouraging each other, just to worship and sing in your heart. See, I love that bit that says about the heart, because if you can't sing, it doesn't matter. Still praise Him from your heart. Not that anyone here can't sing, of course. Well, as children of light, shine, people. That's what we're on about. Now, I've just returned um, from a conference in Geelong with, uh, yeah, with Gail and Jono. We uh, went down there and hung out with each other. They're very crazy. Spent the night with them on Friday night. It's quite fun. Kind of. No, it's great. <laughs> um, they were fantastic. Um, it was a Global Leadership Summit that Bill Hybels is behind. And I've got to say that from the outset, I'm a little bit cynical about Bill Hybels. I have been in the past. But I described this conference in one word, brilliant. Um, and I was encouraged in so many ways to kind of live the life for more for Jesus. And um, But there was one thing I just want to share with you from it. And uh, it's basically... Uh, God wants his church to grow. Mm, that's amazing, isn't it? Um, that really impacted me. Profound, you say. God wants his church to grow. God wants his family to grow. God wants people who don't yet know him to come to faith. He wants his kingdom to grow so that more people would be in this beautiful, eternal life with him forever. Now, do you think in your mind and your heart that you actually believe that is true? Do you believe that? that it's true that God wants to grow this church? Do you believe when Jesus says uh, in Matt 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it? Do you believe that? I think, um, at least for me, we can intellectually agree with this idea. But perhaps deep down in our heart, we think it's not really going to happen. Now, this... It's challenged my heart's thinking. Jesus is building his church, people. It's uh, going to grow. It's growing. It's going to grow because he is going to make it grow. When we look at this building right now, I want you to just kind of like cast your eyes around and see the empty seats in this building tonight. There's quite a few empty seats. We normally get about 150 people here. Jesus wants this building to be full. He wants people to come here who today might not even know, might not even experience the kind of the joy and the peace. But he wants it to be full of people that worship him and that love him and enjoy life to the next level. What do you think about this? Do you kind of believe that or not? Because to me, it's a challenge. I kind of go, I'll do my thing, but I'm not sure if I really think the church is going to grow. Now, he doesn't depend on our efforts to build this church, he will achieve it. That's his church, the big church. He will achieve it because he's sovereign. But the question for us is, do we want to be a part of it? Do we want to see this full? Do we want to be used by God so that people might go, oh, that's life. Do we want to be a part of that? That's a great question to think about. Because if you want to be a part of it, Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use you to bring people to faith. God wants to build his church. Church, are we prepared to be used by God? Are we prepared to uh, go into our families? Are we prepared to go into our workplace, um, to our universities, to our schools and shine? To go out there and live more as a child of light than we do already. Some of us do great. I'm hoping and praying that we are and that sometime soon, uh, you know, God will fill this place because we're shining. We're shining for him. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we um, just want to say thank you uh, for the life that you give us, that you offer us in Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that uh, that you would help us to shine for you. Lord, we pray that you would help us by your spirit to uh, have clarity and and power to to kind of see what's going on around us, to see the darkness that tries to uh, kind of tempt us away from you. Father God, would you just uh, build your church? Would you help us to shine? Would you use us, Lord? Uh, We thank you for your mercy and the life you give us in Jesus. Amen.